Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, rock and roll for the kiddos when we speak with Jason Perkins about his book, Rock Stars Don't Nap, which he'll be reading at Comics and More in East Hampton this weekend. We'll make the Yuletides gayer with Alex Noonan and Kayla Manzi, the driving force behind Majestic Saloon's second annual Queer Winter Makers Market happening this Saturday. But first... The headline in yesterday's Daily Hampshire Gazette, Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, for sale, scaling back. And joining us are the founders of Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, Vitek Kruta and Lori Devine. Scaling back to me seemed optimistic because I had been hearing that (laughs) Gateway City Arts is going to close. So tell us from the people who uh, founded this institution that's been called the Swiss Army Knife of Holyoke when it comes to diverse programming and food and beer and all sorts of other wonderful events. What is happening with Gateway City Arts in Holyoke on Ray Street? First of all, thanks for having us. No problem. We would love to clarify what's happening is there's a lot of talk out there. Yeah. And not all of it is correct. The Gazette got it pretty right. We decided that we want to put Gateway on the market. We cannot keep it going ourselves, the two of us, and a very limited staff the way we were doing it. So it's come to the time where we are comfortable closing, not closing, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) But we are really, really hoping that somebody is going to step up or a group to continue Gateway as Gateway. I mean, it's been our vision and our love in our last 12 years of our life. And um, we've put a whole lot into it. And... It would be a shame to see it close for the city of Holyoke, for the valley. So we're hoping that somebody will come along. We are scaling back in that we're running all of our programming that we have now through New Year's Eve. We have a couple of big New Year's Eve shows and dinners. And then starting in January, we're not going to be open to the public. We're just going to do private events. We're hoping that People will book parties and weddings and memorial services and whatever, but that are predictable because what's killing us and what's difficult is opening the restaurant and having five people one night and 25 the next night, and we're still paying the same amount to the staff and for food and everything. So that's we're hoping that in scaling back, we're still available to people who want to book events there. And That's, use the space. And use the space, rent the space. You know, we're still here. We're just hopeful that in the next few months somebody will show up and really want to continue Gateway. We're speaking with the founders of Gateway City Arts, Lori Devine and Vitek Kruta. Let's rewind a little bit and talk about the decision to open Gateway in the first place. Vitek, you have an incredible history uh, leaving Prague and the Czech Republic and uh, refurbishing churches and living on and the castle in, in the, cam- the, <laughs> the compound of the director of the film Amadeus in Connecticut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, we could do a whole thing just on, on your uh, life up towards Gateway, but let's start, <laughs> let's sure. start at the, the founding of, of Gateway and the vision there. Sure. Well, if you want to go this deep, um, (laughs) (laughs) coming from dictatorship and coming from communist Czechoslovakia and see the oppression there and the, the arts being diminished and controlled and dictated, this is what I grew up with and this is what I also end up fighting for is um, joining the movement in the underground and all the way up to the revolution. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and uh, arts, as all of us know, uh, is driving force behind uh, human quality of life and inspiration, and it's a driving force for development and, if you will, also for economic development as well. So creativity, if we, if we cut this out, out of our society and we don't create places and opportunities for people to thrive, to present their ideas and talents, and what are we then? We just don't have any inspiration. We would be just the zombies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the basic idea behind creating Gateway City Arts was from this experience, experiencing the dismal situation of the dictatorship. That was the main inspiration in the free world, which I'm here now. There's <laughs> <laughs> some air quotes after. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. That's, that's understandable. A, that's, a, that's a different different discussion about. <laughs> yes. But so-called free world. Um, you know, I would expect that that we could still have places of um, expression and free speech and things like that that we can do and bring and and discuss and that's to me is what gateway city arts is about so it was just an old mill right on on race street and you saw a vision that it could be something more we completely fell in love with these buildings there were two buildings they were empty they had been used as judd paper company they had made specialty papers and we were looking for a studio for VTech to do his restoration. We did not expect we'd end up with 35,000 square feet. And restoring the building that you took over to, yes. so he could do his restoration. Exactly. I got to pause right here. The Divine Theater, Lori Divine. You created this proscenium, yes. which is the decorations around a stage, if you don't know that word. And it's it's amazing. Then that's the kind of stuff you, VTech, had been doing previously, like throughout your childhood and, and until you came to this area. Yes. When I was in Germany for 10 years, I I was working in a restoration company restoring churches and castles. Mm-hmm. And, and also my background is in set design and, and art. And um, so the, speaking of the Divine Theater, um, after we uh, decided to reopen after the pandemic, this was also during the time when Lori's mom uh, passed away. Mm. And so the Divine Theater is in the name and in the memory of Lori's parents. Ah. Lori, tell us more about what that, how that building spoke to you and what you wanted. Because it didn't just turn into an art studio. It turned into no, so much more. No, it was just, we walked into it and it was like, oh my God, look, we could do this, we could do that. But it really started as an art community center. We did not have the vision at that point of music, food, all of what it became. And really what it became was in response to what the community was telling us they wanted. We also were fortunate we bought the only liquor license available in Holyoke, and that made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. But once we got that, we realized there aren't a lot of restaurants downtown, and if people were coming and drinking, we didn't feel good about not having food, hence commercial kitchen (laughs) (laughs) and restaurant and lunch and, you know, it's... Beer garden. Mm -hmm. Brunches. We've we've really tried. We've done a lot of different things over the 10 years, mostly in response, or 12 years, mostly in response to, well, one, trying to pay the bills, but also what people wanted. And I think as also, as Vitek was saying, part of what we wanted to do was create a space where people could create 
where they could try things, where they could come and DJ and, <laughs> and, and play and play and you know local bands that don't have a lot of places to play their music. We really wanted to be a hub for art in the valley, and that was the goal. I think a goal got accomplished as somebody in, in the music scene, especially um, because there were so few places in Hamden County. There are so few places in Hamden County to play if you do a certain genre of music. Like indie-ish, like folk-ish-y things, like there's not a whole lot of places to play. And Gateway became that place to go and, and have a show. It could be small, it could be intimate, but it would still be attended and it would still be fun. And you'd still have like a good space to play in. We're speaking with Lori Devine and Vitek Kruta, who are the founders of Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, which is transitioning. There you go. Is That's that a good exactly way to talk about right. it? Thank you. Closing. There you go. Although there is sort of like a farewell appreciation for you two. It's not farewell. Okay. It's a celebration. A celebration <laughs> on December 15th. Of what we've accomplished. And it is free and open to everybody. And there will be a cash bar, but otherwise Vitek will be preparing hors d'oeuvres and finger foods and we just want to celebrate we don't know what's going to happen the gazette story does say that you're asking for four and a half million dollars are there any interested parties that you've spoken to is there a little nibbles yet of people who uh, might want to take over this space that's already all fleshed out and is like a turnkey place that you could do all sorts of different things It, it is it is turnkey and i want to also explain that the four and a half million is for everything. Uh As we would hand over the keys, that is for all of the sound equipment and lights and the commercial kitchen and the liquor license, which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. The real estate? Yeah, everything. Uh Absolutely everything, except what belongs to us personally. So I'm hoping people don't get put off by that number. Yeah. But, you know, if somebody comes in and wants to make a brewery or something else and doesn't want the sound equipment, then of course we negotiate. Mm-hmm. Right. But it seems like you're getting something that's already set up and ready to go exactly. if you have a vision to do so. Exactly. If I may add to this and rewind a little bit in, in history, it took us about 10 years to f- complete our vision. 10 years we worked on it and then once we finished the uh, Judd restaurant, it was for the first time we were like, wow, we are done. We don't really need to build anything. So if you can imagine, while all, all these 10 years we were trying to run the business and do the concert and schedule everything, we were also at the same time doing construction. And everything was dusty before we had to dust it off and, <laughs> and play a concert. And then next day it was dusty again. <laughs> you know, it was insane, kind of. Uh, and you had block parties in that time. Uh, like, blo- like we, large oh, yeah. amounts of people, like closing off Race Street and having yeah. stages put up outside. Right. So like, many fun were, things. Right. And so when Jets was uh, completed, for us it was like, oh, we are done. We are done with that. And two months later, we had to close it <laughs> because of the pandemic. Because of the, yeah. pandemic. Of the pandemic. And then yeah. towards the high pandemic, I like to call it, in December of 2020, you were also saying this was a time of transition yeah. uh, at that point, and then uh, a resurgence after things started to open up again. Right. And then the city of Holyoke, how supportive have they been in trying to keep this institution afloat? <laughs> Uh, well, knew uh, uh, you were going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of Well, to. you know, it's it's not a secret that uh, City of Holyoke got ARPA funds for various things, and 
over the years, we we did receive about fifteen thousand uh-huh. dollars. But of course, that is not something that can support this the project of this magnitude. Yeah, I just want to say I always kept in these discussions saying that. Gateway City Arts is not like a car that you stick a key, key in it and restart it and go. This is a freight train. Mm-hmm. This is a freight train that has many moving parts and carts. This is five businesses under one roof. And all these businesses are run by Lori and I. Mm. So it's exhausting, if you can imagine. Yeah. And we used to have 44 people on our payroll. I cannot even count on my fingers dozens of contractors and families that have been part of this this amazing project. So when we ask for for more support from this ARPA money, we did not receive any. Mm -hmm. That was like the last drop in our exhaustion and in our attempts to get it going because, you know, obviously the city has a different plan and so be it. It's worth noting that the city of Holyoke did support significantly the restoration of another theater that is far from being ready to uh, entertain yes. to the tune of millions of dollars. We're not going there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. But not, it's worth noting that, 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 that you can see the priorities of the city of Holyoke yes. uh, laid out there. And in, that, w- that did not go unnoticed by us. And um, it was painful. Later in the show, shredding through sleepy times with local children's book author Jason Perkins. An extra kitsch from the Kinsey with the folks bringing us the second annual Queer Makers Market at the Majestic Saloon in Northampton. This happens to be King Radio who are playing at Gateway City Arts this weekend. But next we'll hear more from Lori Devine and Vitek Kruta about our favorite moments at Gateway and the state of arts everywhere next. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. Can I clarify one more thing? Sure. The Gazette article said we're married. We're not married. My friends have been texting me, did you get married? (laughs) You're not not attached. (laughs) We've been together by choice for 16 years, and uh, we survived building Gateway City Arts together. Still together. Thanks for having that statute, too, because I keep getting that question from me and my partner. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. (laughs) Because remember, what doesn't kill you makes you stranger. (laughs) We're speaking with Lori Devine and Vitek Kruta, who are the founders of Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, which is moving into a new phase. They are are phasing out. In hopes of a new buyer to continue the vision. You're pointing at me, but all of my questions are heady questions. Okay, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Um, So is it, especially in an endeavor of this size... What are your feelings about, like, having lived through the suppression of the arts and then coming here and seeing through the free market the devaluation of the arts and trying to work through that? Oh, my God. You're going to make him cry. This is a big question. I'm going to cry, too. This is also, like, I also make art. I also see this. I also constantly, oh, my God, I am crying. (laughs) Well, I think it's a, it's a definitely I would love to have this discussion <laughs> some other time because it's a big topic. But all I can say is um, there's a very famous art critic uh, and philosopher, Václav Czerny, who used to write these books. And he compared the, the commercial way how art is being treated in a so-called free world to the communist dictatorship censorship. And uh, he was totally right. Any art that is really put out there uh, in the form of money is no longer a living thing. 
it becomes commodity, that is a different story. That's not what art is. And when we as a society don't value things like art and support it with our national treasure, right. Right. Uh, we, we all suffer. We, yeah. exactly. The humanities, yes. we lose our humanity. Exactly. Yes. And, then, and also I want to say, during the <clears throat> pandemic, art and hospitality was labeled as non-essential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, suddenly you could see very clearly what the priorities are here. And if you look at the, how art really contributes to local economies and to quality of life, then the question is to whoever is deciding about art in general, whether it's politicians or, or business people or corporations, what do they have for the rest of us, for the humanity, for the people that we should do? What is their vision of the quality of life that we as people should have? Is it getting up in the morning, go to work, watch TV, go shop for dinner, and then go sleep and go back to work? Or is it also something that we can interact with each other, going, going to different places, different restaurants, and, and, and experience other people's cultures and being inspired by that and have a personal experience with human ingenious spirit and creation and, and uh, ideas and and learning and, from and each learning other. from each other. We, we don't have that anymore. We are pushed into our rooms. And I can tell you, this is what it was like in communist Czechoslovakia. People were scared. They were in their living rooms. They didn't leave. They didn't gather. They didn't go out. There was a whole scene of people buying these little dachas, little houses somewhere in the country in the middle of nowhere. And the moment they could leave, they left the cities and disappeared. Mm. And this is just one symptom, which I can go on, what's going on here right now. You know, we don't gather anymore because for various reasons, we are told not to in a ways that we don't understand. And that's the problem. So, you know, if we are not supporting arts and we don't understand what arts are bringing to our society, then I, I have to tell you, we are, we are screwed, <laughs> you know. As I said, this should be a different discussion. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, Sorry. Luckily, like, Sorry. I, I did warn. Yeah. Like, I no, only I have heady questions I left. I love that. I think it's a wonderful discussion. And luckily, you'll still be around to continue <laughs> exactly. these discussions. Uh, we're speaking with Vitek Kruta and Lori Devine, who are the founders of Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, which is moving on, looking for a new buyer. These two are moving on. Gateway, hopefully, will continue in one way, shape, or form. There will be a celebration of the work that you've done uh, on December 15th that's open to the public. I can't thank you enough for all the wonderful times I've had there. I've rung in the new year many, many times <laughs> uh, with the band Rubble Bucket at Gateway City Arts. I can think of all, you know, I saw Julian Baker there, uh, a million shows over the years. And it and, was but, always a, a lunch I, stop on the March for the Food Bank for as exactly. long as we have been going through the Springfield route. And I can't say what a relief it was when you opened and started doing shows, frankly, because we needed another, I mean, we still need more venues, but like we needed another venue to bring people into the area. Like you say, like the arts bring people in and they they do keep people here. And being able to see those shows here was such a relief, <laughs> not just because we could see people coming through, but I think to some extent, like folks don't necessarily understand, like sometimes a touring band will come in, they don't have anybody opening for them. That's an opportunity for a local band to get on stage and get in front of more people mm -hmm. like it just spreads the love so like having another place open was a giant sigh of relief 
when it didn't, I can't count all the shows that I've been to. Mm. <laughs> and for maybe for people who were afraid to go south of the Tofu Curtain, yeah. um, Holyoke and Gateway City Arts provided an opportunity for people to maybe go a little bit Just outside their of their concert and not feel it comfort did. zone. It yeah. did. We brought a lot of people. And for us, it was fun. I mean, it was challenging and exhausting, but fun. I mean, we had bread and puppet theater come from Vermont and they all ended up sleeping at my at our house <laughs> as well as the Ukrainians who just were playing you know we had eight Ukrainians staying in the house and it was it was wonderful the whole bread and puppet theater yeah it was uh, yeah it was great and we, we can't have just no regrets it was it was we're really really proud of what we accomplished this isn't all joyful. I mean, it's very bittersweet mm-hmm. to be in this position, but it's time. It's time for us. Lori Devine and VTech Kruta, thank you for providing, for bringing this building to life. And I hope all the best for you and for the future of that building, Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, which you helped to found. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having us here. And I want to say I hope that I didn't stir up anything uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, no, no not at all. We love the stir. <laughs> yes. okay. And don't forget to check out their calendar. The rest of the month is full of things yes. that you can go and enjoy while it's still open to the public. And so you should maybe get an idea for a party that you can throw in their space. Yes, and enter the Haggis New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. Always a good time. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be speaking with the folks behind one of Gateway City Arts' final shows tomorrow when we sit with Joey Batts, Garrick Perry, and Aaron Duggar about Hip Hop for the Homeless 10. But soon we'll get into the queer winter makers market happening at Majestic Saloon with Alex Noonan and Kayla Manzi. And we'll rock out with Jason Perkins and his new book, Rock Stars Don't Nap, next. Because we are rockers. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. In a small hospital, in a small town, a big star was born. While other babies whimpered and whined, Jimmy's righteous wail shook the nursery all night long. By morning, the reviews were in. This baby was born to rock. It wasn't long before Jimmy had mama rocking around the clock. Heavy metal mornings were followed by PB and jam sessions at lunchtime. (laughs) Afternoons featured that old time rock and roll with a bit of grunge mixed in. And in the midnight hour, Jimmy's rock opera always brought Mama to her feet. She was his biggest fan, and together they rocked the nights away. This Saturday, rock stars don't nap. Storytime Saturday at Comics and More on Cottage Street in East Hampton with store regular and local author Jason Perkins, who has a new book called Rock Stars Don't Nap. It is allegedly for children. But I quite like it. A it is lot. definitely also for their adults, yes. and that's appreciated for sure. <laughs> What's really fun is if you follow along when somebody else is reading to the back of the book, Jimmy's Jams all show up in the order that they appear in the book. So you can see ACDC was referenced in that little part, Bill Haley and the Comets, Bob Seeger. It's fun. But it's mm. cheating, I think, to look at the end. You have to see how many you can get while reading it. Yes. And other references, like I didn't see Bowie on the list, but there's definitely a Bowie reference. Well, it does say fame at one point. Oh, it does. So I'll take okay. that as a Bowie reference. Okay. Yeah. That counts. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the fun things is the people who find references that you'd even realize were in there. Yeah. <laughs> what was the inspiration for this? Um, well, when my son was born, um, when it was time for my wife to go back to work, we decided that I would take some time off to stay home with them until he was a little older and could go to daycare. And, you know, being the good dad that I tried to be, I said, we're going to have a schedule. And, you know, we're going to have 
regular meals, and of course, we're going to have nap time. And my son said, no. <laughs> and I, you know, I rocked him walking around the house, rocked him in the chair, rocked him here, rocked him there. Rocked him like a hurricane. Rocked you like a hurricane. And just would not nap. So one day I said, well, if you're not going to let me rock you to sleep, we're going to rock and roll. <laughs> and I just got on some new records, so I put on some Metallica. <laughs> You know, the per- perfect lullaby. This yeah. is Enter Sandman, right? I was right? going to say, Enter Sandman. <laughs> Enter Sandman is the name of their big, big hit. Yep. So I set him down a swing, you know, got my whole setup going, put it on, lets him into the song. I look over and he is just fast asleep. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I might be on something here. The irony. Here. So next day, Michael tries again, put some Red Hot Chili Peppers. Same thing. Within like a minute or two, fast asleep. I'm like... This kid is a rock star. I'm like, <laughs> rock star. I'm like, that's a good idea for a book. And started writing from there. And you know, I started when he was two or three months old, and he just turned seven a few months ago. So Aww. that's how long it takes for a book to get published, as we've learned from <laughs> Colleen Smith's travails. Not with always. It doesn't always take that long to have a book come out. But in similar fashion to like my experience, how did you connect with your illustrator? Did you know them beforehand or were you assigned them? Did they give you a, a pile of people to choose from? Yeah, well, um, I sold the book to HarperCollins with the help of my literary agent, Natasha Morris. And so, you know, once we got the contract signed and everything, they asked me for a list of people I would be interested in having to illustrate the book. So, of course, I, you know, shot for the moon. I'm like, I would like Dance in Tat. And, <laughs> um, you know, listed four or five other authors. Mm-hmm. And um, they said, okay, thank you. And they came back <laughs> with a list of six totally different people. <laughs> but the style was kind of similar in that mm-hmm. the vein of what I was looking for. And as soon as I saw Kale Atkinson, um, I knew he he was the one. He, his art looked perfect. Where is Kale Atkinson from? Um, I believe he is from Canada. Canada. Yes. Kelowana, Canada. And you're from right here in our backyard. And uh, we're speaking with Jason Perkins, who will be doing Storytime Saturday, Rock Stars Don't Nap, the new book at Comics and More in East Hampton this Saturday. But what I love about the illustrations is there's all sorts of hidden musical Easter eggs in the illustrations. I just flip to one random page and there's like a dark side of the moon. Uh, you've just flipped prism. to the Bowie page. Where's the Bowie stuff? On, on him. Oh, yeah, on at, the kid himself. There's his face. He's got the, he's got the Bowie makeup on. <laughs> I saw a Radiohead logo like hidden in there somewhere. So there's a, all sorts of fun stuff that pop up in this book. Were those yeah. things that you asked for in the illustrations or just things that ended up arising? Um, there were a few like art notes I had in that of things I was looking for. Um, but he added a lot of extra details and just so many Easter eggs to find. Is this your first children's book? This is my my first published children's book. Uh-huh. I, ha- I have quite a few other manuscripts, but this was the one that you know got me to the promised land. So. <laughs> well, that's good. This is such a weird insider baseball e interview because you're a children's book author. I now, am also a children's book questions. author, and I, and I roll with so many of them. <laughs> was it hard to stay within the the page count because there's often like especially for this which i feel is about the same age a little maybe a little bit younger but like about the same age range as mine 4 to 8 we had a page limit of 32 pages and this seems about that was it hard to get your manuscript to stay within that limit yeah i, I mean i was working out for you know about a good 5 years and <laughs> yeah you know it took a while you know you start you just have your story and then 
you know, you kind of start picturing what you want to see and start taking the page turns into account. So this actually ended up being, I think, 48 pa- 40 mm. pages because they do it in multiples of eight. Right. So I was very lucky they were willing to give you an extra to, eight to give pages. Give me the extra few pages <laughs> you know, to fit in the discography and some of the little fun extras at the back. Yeah, yeah. Because you have some twofold uh, illustrations that are just like fantastic, like the the number two reference. And I can't believe I'm the one bringing that up yeah, and not right. Monty, but I am. And it's a great visual joke. Yeah, that, um, that was a very divisive moment. Believe it or not, <laughs> you know, be, people either loved it or like, no, you need to cut that. It will never get published. Oh, with that really? Joke <laughs> Yeah, well, so, but look I stuck to my guns. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you did mention the discography at the back, and it, it's long. So, like, about 17 or 18 musical references at least. What came first? The idea that you wanted to make sure that Kiss is uh, involved in this or just writing the story and trying to figure out what musical cues you could use from it? Well, I had the basis of the story first, and then I was I was right. It wouldn't be funny to put in the Billy Idol reference, you know, because that's perfect for describing what it's like to be a new pair. You know, in the midnight hour, they cried more, more, more. <laughs> so I kind of snuck that one in, and then I just kept you know, finding a spot. Oh, this song tie will work really here. Like yeah. I have a spread where he's really acting up and – you know, he performs Cry Baby and yep. Anybody's Seen My Baby and right. Baby Did Bad Bad Thing. <laughs> right. So I just kept working those in. And then I was actually entering a contest for the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. Mm-hmm. And it was about an hour before it was due, you know, midnight. I'm like, what if I put discography at the back? Like, you know, just something a little extra. So I took that whole hour, learned how to do a discography, typed it up, added it in, sent it off to the contest like two minutes before it was due. And I ended up winning the contest. Wow. That's awesome. So I'm like, okay, that's a sign. This is, <laughs> this is staying in there. But I also love like how much of the new parent experience is at the base of all of this, because ostensibly it is about a baby who learns to rock, rock and roll and, and goes on tour, yeah. <laughs> taking his tunes with him. The but it's really... store and all over the different errands you it, go through on the course of a day. Yeah. But it is really about the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of being a first-time parent, what were the hardest things about conflating those two ideas or merging those two ideas, rather? Well, the, the thing I actually had the hardest part with was finding the ending. You know, and for a while, I just had him, like, he kind of falls asleep on his own and he wakes <laughs> up and, went, oh, maybe naps aren't that bad. And, <laughs> you know, but it just it wasn't hitting right. And I kept coming back to this question, is it true? What is the truth of that? whole parent nap time experience and and sometimes the kids win yeah you end up having cereal for dinner you know they get an extra cookie you know (laughs) before we eat just because they're starving and dares take you forever or you know or sometimes they fall asleep on your chest and you end up camped out in your chair for you know a couple hours in the night because that's the only place they want to sleep is on you right and so that's where we end up coming with he takes you know his dramatic stage dive at the end (laughs) you know right into the arms of his biggest fan which is mama and and they rock the nights away together did you have the same rock problem with your second child? Because you're, this is about uh, Oliver, like one of your children. Then there's Tallulah. Yes. They're both they're both in the dedication. I'm not like making. I'm not stalking people. <laughs> you can read this in this nationally published yeah. book. The you, names you, of his children. You can, in fact. Yes. But, and you'll, you'll hear me talk about them quite a bit because they're, <laughs> they're great kids. Yeah. No, my my daughter Tallulah is actually the older one. She's uh, um she's gonna be 14. Uh, so um and he's seven. She was. 
you know, much more agreeable <laughs> when it came to naps and bedtime. <laughs> and, you know, with him, right up until he got out of the crib into the toddler bed, you know, we spent a couple hours every night in, you know, my chair with the feet up and him, you know, sleeping there on my chest. And then once he got the toddler bed, he was like, oh, I don't need you anymore. I'm like, this is great. I can get in. I can get out. It's perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm kind of glad I gave full night's sleep, but I miss to, it too. What happened to our jam session yeah. time? <laughs> I love listening to Metallica at nap time. We're speaking with Jason Perkins, the local hero author who will be at Comics and More on Cottage Street in East Hampton this Saturday for a story time Saturday with the new book, Rock Stars Don't Nap. What is your children's relationship to the music that you reference in this book that's inspired by your son, Right now. What, is this the kind of music they like and listen to? Is it stuff that you tried to indoctrinate them with, but now that they rebel from? Yeah. Um, he, he's a big fan of Guns N' Roses. Okay. Um, so he loves, um, I think, Paradise City. That's one of his favorites. Yeah. Right next door um, in Northampton. That's not, that's not what the Guns N' Roses song is about, but <laughs> might, might as well be. Yeah. Uh, yeah but he, he's kind of branched out now, too, and he likes a lot more dance music because uh-huh. he's, he's always in motion, mm-hmm. you know, always mm-hmm. moving. So middle of dinner, he'll just get up and he'll ask the smart speaker to play a song and then he'll just start dancing and then you know get his wiggles out and then come back to dinner and eat it. <laughs> have you been contacted by any of the musicians that you reference in here at all have do you know if any of them know that their songs are referenced this way in a children's book about not wanting to go to bed i i haven't uh connected with anyone yet you know i've been always been debating like do i tag them on twitter or on social media and <sighs> see if i can get some response but uh, nothing Nothing yet. Is there going to be a follow-up to this book, Rock Stars Don't Nap, where we follow the the rock trials of Jimmy further in in his toddler life? Uh, Hopefully. That depends on all my wonderful readers and how many (laughs) copies they buy. But I do have uh, two sequels uh, ready to rock. Um, I'm going to try to branch out the musical genre. So, Uh you know, in one, he gets a little sister named Big Country. And (laughs) we... We have a bit She's of a somehow Scottish? Rivalry. I don't understand. Yeah, right. In a big country, dreams stay with you. Sorry. And then um, the other one, he's going to go off to daycare and run into a boy band named Too Cute. <laughs> so ho- hopefully this book does well. I'll be able to sell a few more, and hopefully we'll see those in the next couple of years. What's your favorite illustration in the book? Oh, that's a tough choice. I I think it would have to be his spectacular stage dive right near the end, where he just he's leaping off the page and into the arms of his biggest fan. That's actually my son's favorite part to act out too. <laughs> he'll stand on the couch. He'll go, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I'll, I'll say what? He'll just jump off at me. <laughs> say I'm. Jumping into the arms of my biggest fan. Oh! This Saturday at Comics and More, where you'll be reading at 11, this is not your first reading. Your first one was at the Eric Carl Museum? Um, I've had a couple. I did. Okay. My launch was at the Barnes & Noble in Holyoke. That went really well. I was very lucky to go to the Eric Carl Museum, uh, which was a bucket list location. You know, it's it's a, a treasure. It's the it only is. children's book art museum in, in the United States, and yep. right in our backyard in Amherst. Yeah, and we may, we make the trip every summer up. You know, we bring the kids and check out the museum, go to Atkins. You know, we make a day of it. So mm-hmm. I was really fortunate they were able to work me into their schedule. Did they use your soundtrack for your reading? 
because, I mean, you did lay it all out for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, when, when I do a reading, I usually bring my little Bluetooth speaker <laughs> and I have a little, you know, if, if there's a lot of children in the audience, I'll, you know, tell them the story and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to play the song I played for him. And I want you to tell me what you think he did. You know, and they act it out, you know, <laughs> put the hands to the side of their head and pretend to sleep or, you know, rub their hands under their eyes and pretend to cry or, you know, I'll have them like pretend to play instruments like they're rocking out and... So usually I try to work a couple songs into the read-alouds to spice them up a little bit. Yeah. Right on. This seems like the kind of story time that I would love to go to. It's called Rock Stars Don't Nap, and there is a story time Saturday happening this Saturday at 11 o'clock at Comics and More in East Hampton with Springfield-based author Jason Perkins. This book is super fun. I can't wait to put in all of the uh, needle drops with this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been great. I knew it was coming. Up next, making the Yuletide queer and arty with the folks behind the second annual Queer Makers Market at the Majestic Saloon in Northampton. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, homegrown in Hatfield, Massachusetts, and providing energy savings for their customers for over 10 years. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. We're going to make it gayer with Judy Garland <laughs> and the folks from The Majestic. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Khalees Smith. And this is the fabulous 413. And this Saturday in Northampton, naughty or nice, you've got a market walk, you've got SantaCon, you've got the queer winter makers market. And Krampus Burlesque. And joining us is the co-owner of the Majestic Saloon, Kayla Manzi, and the proprietor of Dead Eye Prince, Alex Noonan. This is the second annual queer maker's market for the holidays. So it was so awesome last year you had to bring it back? Oh, yes. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, how it went last year. What were the kind of things that people could be getting at the queer maker's market? Well, it was, yeah, extremely successful last year, and we had about nine vendors um, last December, and so we've expanded a little bit. We have 12 this year. And you're fitting them all inside the Majestic are fit- Saloon. <laughs> they are Believe it or not. all fitting in. <laughs> the yes. Majestic Saloon is a wonderful place, but it is not particularly not big. Not. No, no. Um, so we wish we could have accepted more than 12, but 12 was... <laughs> the limit um, <laughs> um, but yeah you know have everything from art prints uh, patches candles um, candles soy candles beeswax candles honey that is m- literally uh, made by someone who keeps their business is called they keep bees oh I know oh, them. them so they, they keep bees um, <laughs> um, yeah just all sorts of you know I would say small gifts that are going to be good for anyone in your life. So let's just talk a tiny bit about the importance of having like a specifically queer space with specifically queer artisans coming together for, you know, like even just small gift giving. Yeah. um, I mean, I think it's huge. Um, You know, this is the this is going to be the third market that I'm putting on that I'm producing. Um, one that I did 
earlier this year in April was a little more open to kind of whoever, but you know, I really like to highlight queer artists in this queer space around the holidays. You know, I think it's it's really important. You know, you can kind of get something from whoever anywhere for the holidays. <laughs> um, but I want to make sure that you know people understand that there's a lot of really strong queer talent artisans makers in the area. Community supporting community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Kayla Manzi of Majestic Saloon. Talk about bringing this maker's market into the your very tiny space. <laughs> yeah, very tiny space that we plan all of these things. Burlesque, drag. I can't believe we do it inside that 1,200 square foot <laughs> bar, but we're managing. And yeah. people really seem to enjoy it. I mean, it is just so rewarding to see people having fun. Mm. Um, for a while there, nobody was really, well... The feedback was that Northampton wasn't exactly the most fun to go to. You know, everyone talks about back in the day, Northampton was booming. Well, I feel like we are trying very, very hard to keep Northampton alive and um, succeeding for the most part. I mean, just last year, that market was so much fun. I was like, can we do it again? That was so great. I mean, just building community one step at a time and... You know, some of these people that come in, you never really know what they're crafting at home. And we have some really, really great vendors. And, like, not just us, too. Like, we have that market walk that we're cross-promoting with other spaces. Like, there are some really talented people in the Valley. Yeah. yeah. If you were to go to Northampton on Saturday, you could not only go to the Queer Winter Makers Market at the Majestic, but the Lowbrow Craft Fair, a curated craft fair, the Western Mass Makers Market, all around Main Street and on 33 Holly, the uh, Northampton mm-hmm. Center for the Arts. And then you're also, are you also supporting the SantaCon pub crawl that's happening? That's me, baby. That's you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I had um, so much fun planning Hampshire Pride that um, we did a Hampshire Pride pub crawl. So Mm -hmm. I have all of these connections at other bars still. Um, And I was like, hey, you know, how about another pub crawl? I mean, I would love to do more just to bring some foot traffic back to Northampton. Um, And what a better way to you know, I'm really excited to see people's costumes. I'm really hoping that it's not just Santa's. Um, <laughs> maybe some Grinches, some little elves. I'm really hoping that people get into a uh, costume for this. And I'm the really idea being that you would dress up. if we're looking for deep cuts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or the Krampus, like, which we can talk about in Krampus, a little bit. Krampus, exactly. But the idea being that you dress up like Santa or something Santa-esque and go yep. roam from bar to bar throughout mm-hmm. downtown Exactly. And if you bring a unwrapped gift, um, we're going to do a raffle. Each of the bars donated a $25 gift card so you have a chance to win all of the gift cards um we're gonna hold that raffle and pick the winner the next day on sunday um so yeah just bring an unwrapped gift at any of the bars and they'll give you a raffle ticket and where do the unwrapped gifts go toys for tots nice (laughs) what is i'm assuming that each of you bought things at the maker's market last year what was your favorite thing you picked up oh have you forgotten already? No, it's just, it's <laughs> so, so hard to pick. <laughs> I know. We I had to bring, like, sp- special money to set aside yes. because I, I'm going to be working the bar because the bar will be open right. for drinks while you shop. But I had to allot myself, okay, don't spend too much money, babe. <laughs> no, I, I'm not vending this year, but I did vend oh. last year, and all of the money I made vending, I, I spent <laughs> at other vendors. Poured it right back into the community. Just right back at them. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, I got some really great stuff from Babe Gang Patches, who is coming back again this year. So she'll be there on Saturday. Um, lots of really fun stickers. Um, 
Someone who was at the market in April but is at this market this time is Quill and Crown. And I got a great sticker from them that says, Jeff Bezos owes me money. (laughs) (laughs) He does. I think he owes us all money. Exactly. Exactly. Really? exactly. That's Alex Noonan from Dead Eye Prince, who's at the helm of the Queer Winter Makers Market, happening from noon to 5, 24 Main Street at the Majestic Saloon. We're also speaking with the co-owner of the Majestic Saloon, Kayla Manzi. Um, can I ask about uh, the Krampus burlesque? Before uh, I don't want to let that go because that's happening on uh, nine o'clock later in the evening after so you, after everybody's dressed up. If you up hang Santa out in now. Northampton all day, or like go go somewhere else and and do something for a couple hours, you can come back mm-hmm. and enjoy the burlesque. And the lineup for this is particularly good. Stacked, yes, <laughs> stacked. Um, I got to work with TZ Roosevelt with Harley Fox last uh, month when they did a burlesque show for the first time at Majestic. We've had burlesque before, but working with them too was amazing. I mean, it's just, I think the community is based out of Albany, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she so, is now. Yeah, very, very cool to have um, f- yeah, fresh talent inside Majestic. <laughs> I mean, they were so amazing the first time around that they were like, we want to do a Krampus um, holiday-themed show, and yeah, please. <laughs> um, very exciting stuff, and I think there's like eight performers mm-hmm. that are going to be performing. Um are they all yet. dressing up as Krampus? I think And they're... then undressing as Krampus, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Dressing and undressing <laughs> like Krampus. You never know what's going to be under there. <laughs> but I've always wanted to know. But I'm going to okay. find but out. I mean, you have to show up to find out. Right. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the show starts at 9 o'clock. <laughs> Very, very cool. <laughs> and then there's some local talent on that bill, too, like Ludafly Spreasley, yes. who I saw, mm-hmm. who's one of my favorite drag kings around in the area, and more. It's going to be, like, absolutely fantastic. Really high-caliber cast on that show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You um, recently were granted a, a gift from Grubhub. Is that true? The, the Majestic oh, yeah. Saloon. Talk, talk about like <laughs> the LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce and Grubhub and the relationship with the Majestic Saloon. Oh, I have. I could say so many great things about that chamber. Um, <laughs> Angie um, is my point of contact from the chamber, and she has just been She's so amazing. helpful. Yeah, for both of us. And yeah. um, Dead Eye Prince is also a member of the chamber. Yeah. Um, but she sends me opportunities left and right of what she thinks I'll qualify for, which, thank you. Um, but she sent me one Grubhub um, issued. I, I, it's a large number that I don't know um, how much they actually gave to LGBTQ um, businesses. But I won a grant um, through them. I got to pick up a gigantic check. Wow. Like physically gigantic. So like they had one that you could take the big the Ed McMahon check. you take a picture with. Yeah, absolutely. That's so, so cool. Where I do you cash it. those in? Uh, not you Florence don't. Bank. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have real banks or real bank numbers on them. Dang it. It they was such a cool such a cool experience and um, yeah I'm very grateful for the chamber for giving me that opportunity. What does that money mean for you as a queer business the Majestic Saloon in Northampton? I am always finding ways to build out the business Um, I just I bought an ice well with the money and Alex got to work with it this past Mm -hmm. weekend Um, it just the little things like that to make smoother I'm not just, yeah, uh, just just improve the general traffic of how you work, absolutely. like the small things. Happy that wife, make it happy easier. life. You know, <laughs> like if 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 the, if the bartenders are ha- happy and satisfied, then I'm happy and satisfied. Right. So um, yeah, just putting it back into the bar itself, and it's just it was so great to just have not unlimited funds, but 
you know, a big chunk to handle it all. Some help. So when people come and see uh, burlesque or or drag at Majestic, where do like <laughs> I've seen pictures of of what it ends up looking like, and it's so crowded. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, but it it somehow works though. I mean, I mean, the whole bar is just a giant runway. I know, <laughs> literally, that's true. It's, that's, that's what, true. That's yeah. what ends up happening. I yeah. mean, they the the drag. Performers usually ask for a part, mm. and then they can catwalk up and down the bar and collect tips, and you can even dance on the bar. Yep. So, yes. you know, there, there's – I think the vibes – if the vibes weren't as good, it probably wouldn't be enjoyable as a performer. But everybody is just so happy to experience what they experience at Majestic that they could be – you know, someplace less pink and gro- like grosser and probably, you know, they're having a great time. It's very obvious. <laughs> the love is very tactile in there. Absolutely. Um, for your next Maker's Market, what's next? Yeah, so I'm going to be producing another market um, in April at 10 Forward in Greenfield. And that will, you know, coming up in 2024, that will be the second annual Uncanny Valley Maker's Market. And for that one, I go for... Just the weirdest, <laughs> the weirdest possible stuff I can find. Um, so <laughs> applications will be going out for that in <laughs> February. So if you are a, a maker of weird things, I hope you apply. Um, and then maybe one in the summer. And, you know, we hope to keep this December one rolling annually. So right Alex on. Noonan from Dead Eye Prince and the co-owner of the Majestic Saloon in Northampton, Kayla Manzi, this weekend, the Queer Winter Maker's Market, 12 to 5 at the Majestic, along with the SantaCon Bar Crawl and the Krampus Burlesque happening on Saturday night. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Maker's Market is all ages, but the Burlesque is definitely not. (laughs) Yes. Tomorrow on the Fabulous 413, it's time to celebrate and help others at the same time. We'll get ready to dance and be merry as Dallas Dukar of Trans Health tells us about their Holly Gay party at Bombix. And we'll bring both the noise and the ruckus with the team behind Hip Hop for the Homeless. Plus, word nerd Emily Brewster shares some of the lexicographical bridesmaids to Merriam-Webster's word of the year. Special musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Big Star, ACDC, Bill Haley and the Comets, Scorpions, Metallica, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Big Country, Kiss, Judy Garland, and Phoebe Bridgers. We'll see you tomorrow on The Fabulous 413.